look around and think about how I was going to pre-plan that day, where I was going to take the pictures, where I was going to get that key shot that was going to take my business to the next level. So where was I going to get that bouquet shot that matched the brand that I wanted to have? So making sure you're setting yourself up for that day to get the images that are going to take your business to the next level. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is wedding photographer, Abby Jew. Abby has been named one of Martha Stewart Wedding's top wedding photographers, and has been published in places like Martha Stewart Weddings, Southern Weddings, and The Knot. Today, Abby is sharing how she was able to jump from shooting $500 weddings to six-figure weddings, and she also shares a few tips for getting published. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchristen.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode, and I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Branson Book Podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes you've enjoyed most so far and why. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now, on to the episode. All right. Well, Abby, welcome to the Brands at Book Show. I'm excited to chat because Chris and I have been following your work for a long time. And I don't know if we've ever got a chance to connect, but I know you've gotten a chance to connect with Chris in the past. So I'm excited that we get to chat this morning. I'm excited to be here too. I've been listening to Brands at Book for a while, so I found it super helpful for my business and I'm excited to share more on here today. Yeah, that's awesome. And we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to get into uh, talking about how you got started and then what you know, how along the way you've you've been able to get uh, published in all sorts of major wedding publications. And we're going to talk a little bit about just, you know, basically that that gap, you know, or that jump from shooting low budget, you know, weddings in the beginning of a career to getting to a high end market. So I'm excited to, to dive in about that. But first, tell us how you got started in wedding photography. What did that look like? Yeah. So when you say, uh, you know, starting at those low budget weddings, I definitely started at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't lucky enough to have a friend who asked me to shoot her beautiful wedding. So actually after I graduated college, I got a job and in sales and pharmaceutical sales and I didn't really love it, but obviously it was something good that (laughs) has helped me today. So I did it for a little while and it helped obviously with, you know, sales training and getting this formal training of how to deal with rejection and also really just like putting myself out there because I think as creatives, we go into this being passionate as we should about photography or planning or website design. And it's not really about sales, but obviously our job is because if not, I mean, how would we make any money? So I wouldn't say my job is obviously all about sales now, but it did give me that training and really helped me to put myself out there and learn that hearing no is the worst thing. And so it's okay to do some of those things that you're not comfortable with. 
So that was a long time ago <laughs> that I did pharmaceutical sales. So I started Abby G Photography 10 years ago and I got my first couple of weddings off of Craigslist. And that's, that's what I awesome. mean by starting at the bottom. Yeah, that is awesome. Because <laughs> After I moved here to DC, I, I didn't know anyone. So I didn't have like a friend network to pull from to do any weddings. So that is literally how I started my business. And then about like five years into the business, I was able to raise my prices so much that I realized that I was passing on a lot of weddings to other people because maybe I was booked or I was too expensive. And I remember there was this one specific photographer. I think I referred her like five to seven weddings in one year. And I was like, I think there's a big gap here. So around the same time, I stumbled upon a very talented photographer, Lisa Ziesing. And now she's been my associate for five years and we work together a lot in the office and we both shoot weddings on our own. So by the fact that I was able to raise my prices, I've been able to bring on what I call the other half of my brain that Lisa Zising as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how you just you identified the fact that there's all sorts of people who want to work with you and they love your work, but they can't quite afford forge you. And so you brought an associate there. I want to go back a little bit to and, and talk about your your previous sales training or at least that experience that you got through being a pharmaceutical rep. Because you said something that was really interesting, which is you can get over that fear of rejection. Because I think creatives especially go into it with their, you know, their work over their heart a little bit, you know. So when somebody says no, you know, whether that's they don't want to, you know, work with them or they're struggling to find clients, they take that really personally. So can you talk a little bit about early on, you know, how that sales training specifically helped you deal with that fear of rejection? Yeah. So my job was hundred percent sales. I was in my car all day calling on these doctors and I remember being in the car sometimes and just really not even wanting to go in because I was I didn't really like the job, but it was my job. And I had to go in and I had to give the sales pitch and I had to talk to this doctor who probably didn't even want to talk to me because he was busy. He or she was busy seeing patients and there were so many other things they could be doing. But I had to, and that was my job, and I had to do at least eight visits a day. So it was just something that I had to do, and it was part of my daily routine. So I think that that's been helpful for Abby G photography because it's just something that I do every day now. I mean, I don't like think of it that way as far as like a sales call all the time, but just something that you have to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. And I think the more that you do it, the more that you get comfortable with it and that being told no to isn't usually personal. And that if you don't take that chance, then you're you're not going to grow or build your business personally as well. Yeah, you're not being going to get to that point where somebody can say yes because you're too scared to ask to begin with. But I think that's such a valuable lesson that you've learned early, you know, early on, even before you started your own business, because I think anybody who started their own business at some point along the way has been told no and, and most likely has been told no, you know, over and over and over again. And like you mentioned, not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's, it's th that's the worst case scenario, right? Is that somebody says no, but of worst case scenarios, that's not, you know, it's not business ending, right? It just allows us to get to yeses that are more meaningful and, and with the with the clients that we, that we want to serve. So I guess fast forwarding a little bit back to uh, making that jump from Craigslist to a much more, you know, high end market. I want to talk about doing that specifically as like a wedding photographer. If you're shooting weddings that are something that you booked off a of Craigslist, my guess is, and, and maybe this is unfair, that it's a relatively low budget wedding. 
Yeah, so, definitely. You know, I, I assume that sometimes or the aesthetic might reflect that. And so, you know, you you get stuck in this cycle of sharing work that isn't exactly reflective of the work that you want to eventually be shooting. So can you tell us a little bit how you were able to raise your prices so significantly while shooting, you know, $500 weddings to get to this higher end market? Yeah. So I would say it definitely wasn't one significant thing or a magic bullet. It was literally just time after time taking each shoot and each wedding and figuring out what details and what things about it I can pull to best represent my brand and elevate it to the next level. So I remember when I first started, there were things like sometimes the bride's dress would be really beautiful and the groom suit would <laughs> kind of be ill-fitting or just not that great. The bride would definitely spend more time and money of her budget on her dress. So I would do things that like put her full frontal on to show off her gorgeous dress and then maybe turn the groom to the side. So he's looking at the bride. So he's still in the picture. He's still, they're still going to love the picture, but it's just kind of an example of how you can curate your weddings and curate your work and take the little things you have, even if it's from Craigslist and even if it's super low budget and make it look better. And I think that's the key thing to do is to take that wedding or take any kind of shoot and make it better for your brand. So where would you share most of this imagery? I'm guessing it's uh, through things like Instagram. Is that where most of your, you know, future weddings would would come from, you know? So, you know, as you learn to share these these specific details, are you sharing them across your social media platforms? So, I mean, when I started 10 years ago, I don't think Instagram existed. <laughs> I kind of remember I can't remember a world without Instagram. Around. I know, right? <laughs> so, then I did a lot of networking and that was something too that helped with my pharmaceutical sales job because literally what I was supposed to do every day was call these doctors that were 30 or 40 years older than me and didn't really care. And then when I remember when I switched to the wedding world, I was like, oh, I get to like talk to people that are my age and they are usually females just like me and we have so much more to talk about. So it was good in the fact that I learned to quote unquote target people in pharmaceutical sales and then use that same kind of mentality to how to get referrals in the wedding business. And I think also too, I mean, obviously we always talk about networking, but I think starting out, one of the things that is best to do is to start your relationships early because I feel like sometimes, you know, no matter what stage your career is, people are always trying to network, but sometimes they're trying to network with people that have already developed relationships. So I wouldn't say, obviously don't take that chance, do, but something that has been really, really helpful for me was starting relationships early. And those were like, like identifying good wedding planners that were just starting their business that I really connected with. Our styles were very similar and they had a lot of drive as well. So that was really good because we've built our businesses together and have become very loyal and also great friendships too. Yeah, I I mean I really I really like that advice. I mean, again, just uh, and it's cool to see you know pharmaceuticals sales training you know coming into play into your your wedding photography business as well. And so just a review here, curating those images and showing off details that may be a little bit or reflect a little bit more of the kind of weddings that you want to shoot, and then jumping into networking here. And I think a great point about targeting other people who are also early in their career, also talented. But those people who are, are much more established, 
it just might be harder to get into that referral circle, right? It might be harder to get because they have people that they've probably uh, referred out to. Not impossible and definitely, you know, like you said, you know, not a reason not to try to reach out to that kind of person. But I know that was true of us when we started our photography business was really just reaching out to a a bunch of other people who were, you know, only semi-established and really just kind of getting started and breaking into that market. Because what ended up happening was we ended up on all of each other's kind of that referral list, you know, where if you're booked, here's, you know, here's who I'm going to, I'm going to, we were on their list to send names out to. Right. And then same thing with like wedding planners who were just getting started, you know, early on, a lot of our brides didn't quite have the budget for a wedding planner, but we'd always recommend one, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and that went a long way, you know, uh, years down the road when that wedding planner was a little bit more established and now people were going to her first and then looking for a photographer, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like, now the stage I'm in, it's a lot of wedding planner referrals. So clients will first go to the planner and then the planner will then recommend the photographer. But as you mentioned in the beginning, they always need a photographer, but they don't necessarily think they need a planner. So I was working with planners. One of them is Carson Butler. And I remember I met Amber at this paper source stamping class (laughs) and I realized she was a planner and I was like, Oh, I really like her. I'm going to get to know her better. So we went to lunch and I remember I like told her what style me pretty was. This is the very (laughs) beginning shows how long ago it was, but that was the beginning of our businesses and how we built them together. So I got this one wedding and I thought I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of a cool wedding. Maybe we can do more with it. And I need a planner for this. So I recommended them. They gave special pricing to the client because they were starting out too and they wanted to get business. So we did the wedding together. They created some amazing details that I was able to photograph and it just really helped both elevate our brands at the same time. But I think it's good because as I mentioned in the beginning, the photographers have the chance to refer the planner and that really builds this solid relationship that I'm still friends with so many of these planners that we started out together and we really truly help our business. It helps both of our businesses today still to this day. Yeah. I always thought that photographers had an unfair advantage as far as like just networking and things like that, because we, I mean, everybody's marketing collateral really comes back through us, right? I mean, at least in the wedding industry, like all the other vendors on a wedding day are waiting for us to share our images so that they can then, you know, share images from that, from that day. And so it's just such an easy way, you know, to build relationships. But going back to that, are there certain networking events that you targeted early on, or was it more targeting individuals that you knew were getting started? How did you figure out, you know, who to build a relationship with? Yeah. So it was a little bit of random things like meeting people out at paper source events. (laughs) And then at the same time, it doesn't, they don't really do it anymore, but there was this local blog that had a happy hour and I would go to that and it was a monthly thing. And that's where I met a lot of other people. And I mean, one of them, I remember it was Lauren Prattis and I met her there and I really loved her skirt. I know that sounds so like (laughs) shallow or something that you would think about. But I realized, you know, we kind of have the same style. And I remember sitting with her after the happy hour ended and we got drinks and we started this great relationship at this networking event. And it was just because I liked her outfit. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I guess I guess the uh, part of the moral, at least of the story is just to put yourself out there and and go up to people and and say hi and, you know, be intentional about uh, following up with them. Because, you know, after this class that you attended, you know, you could have just let that 
go, you know, but instead you followed up and built that relationship. And I, and I, you know, hesitate using the word targeting because it does make it sound like this, this tactical, impersonal, you know, way of going about things. But I think people get through what you're saying that everything is very relational based, you know, you liked her skirt. And so you went up and said hi. And, you know, it turns (laughs) out that a good friendship formed from that, you know, which, you know, probably has, you know, business ramifications and things like that. So curating, networking, what else? What other tips do you have for people who are in uh, similar positions, you know, based on how you raised your prices from sort of low end budget to a higher end budget? Yes, yeah, so I want to go back to curating again, because I know we passed over that briefly. And I think that's something so huge. So I'm a huge planner, anything I can plan and control on the front end, I think is that helps me build my business. So I think that every wedding, even if it's a mediocre wedding, every mediocre wedding gives you a chance to elevate your brand. And the way to do that is to make sure that you control the timeline and the timeline doesn't control you. And the reason why I say that is because you at pre-planning the day and thinking about those images or just the details that you can pull out that are going to be nice that you think are going to elevate your brand. So say, for example, you admire this florist and she's going to be the florist for that wedding. So make sure that you have a lot of time to shoot the details or that you know you're going to get great bouquet shots. Because even when you're starting out, those are like some easy shots you're going to get, the bouquet shot, the bride holding the holding the beautiful flowers. So really thinking about the day and how you can get those images. And so it was a lot of hustle in the beginning. I would, the wedding venues would be an hour and a half, two hours away. And I would still go there before the wedding and look around. And I would say like weeks before the wedding, look around and think about how I was going to pre-plan that day, where I was going to take the pictures, where I was going to get that key shot that was going to take my business to the next level. So where was I going to get that bouquet shot that matched the brand that I wanted to have and make sure that I have enough time to do that. So that's where that timeline goes back to it. So making sure you're setting yourself up for that day to get the images that are going to take your business to the next level. Yeah, I think being intentional about that is really helpful because you don't have to share everything from the day even, you know, and I think that's something that we kind of learned early on. And I remember kind of that shift in mindset from going from thinking we have to share pretty much, you know, all these images from every single wedding. And then all of a sudden getting intentional about the stuff that we were sharing, which meant going back on our blog, deleting a bunch of content that was already there. And then not only being intentional about the wedding images that we shared, but even the weddings that we shared and making sure that anything that we put out there was the kind of work that we wanted to continue to shoot. So do you blog every wedding that you that you shoot or uh, are you kind of selective about what goes on the blog? Do you blog at all? <laughs> yeah, I started blogging again, but just in terms of like sharing. Yeah. Now I can, I share everything because I think sure. that after 10 years, I've been able to build a brand that I like every wedding represents the brand. But in the beginning, I was so, so picky about what went out and what I shared and just how I photographed, because I think that's what really helped to elevate and really only just sharing things that you think match the brand that you want to have. So for me, that was like a luxury client that was more high end. So I wanted to make sure that every detail, you know, background matched elevating the brand and 
that was, I guess that's it being very, very curated. And now I'm not as much, but definitely in the beginning, very, very particular about what went out there. Uh, Especially early on, was there anything that you did as far as with your clients in trying to encourage them to do certain things or avoid certain things just so that you could get the kind of shot that you want? Yeah. I mean, I think it's even just like, say for example, I wanted some shots that the timeline didn't allow for in the day, I would just go an hour early to shoot some things. And I wouldn't charge that client because I knew that these details were going to help my business. And those were going to be the images that I showed. So now today, someone starting would be the ones that they would Instagram. So I think that's the thing is to really figure those out, like I said, and, and figure out how you're going to get them. So I would go early, I would shoot the details, I would shoot the invitations, I would bring backgrounds for the invitations. I would ask the client ahead of time what the invitation looked like. So I could bring some backgrounds, I could bring little things that would go in the shot, anything to elevate that brand. And obviously, it was very cohesive, and it matched for the client. So the client was really happy to get all of these images too, and to make their wedding look even better. So I think it's really just about taking that wedding and making it look better than than it actually maybe maybe happened to be in person. (laughs) So basically, you have like a styling kit too that you bring along just to make sure that you know, there's some other stuff to go into detail shots if maybe they're lacking detail. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, usually they have a bouquet, they have shoes, they have an invitation suite. So those are some things that you can use of theirs, obviously, to shoot for them, but things that you can bring to make it even better. Sure. And I like what you said about the timeline, too. I think we routinely showed up like 30 minutes early. And like you said, didn't charge the client about uh, for that, but just looked at it as sort of like a marketing, you know, a marketing 30 minutes, you know, like whatever we were able to shoot extra uh, on on our own time, we'd be able to, to use that, you know, at for marketing collateral, you know, down the road. So it was worth, you know, showing up and getting those those extra images that maybe we wouldn't have time for otherwise during the day. So I, I really like that. So curating, networking, and there's something else. (laughs) Yeah. So another thing that was very important that helped build my business was getting published. I remember starting and everything in the wedding market and still is today is so saturated and the barrier to entry is so low. So how can you set yourself apart? And one of those things was getting published. So I made it a point from the beginning to figure out how to do that and really like, you know, going back to the other two things like networking with people that are going to help you get published because you have the same vision. And then also, showing up an hour early to get those images that you're going to use to get published. So that was how I did it in the beginning was using all of those things to make sure going into the day that it was ready and that I was setting myself up to get images for the client and for publication as well. How did you target publications in the beginning? Was it, did you have certain ones in mind that you, you wanted to get published in and what did that look like? Yeah. So I think that it's about starting small. So for me, it was local blogs. And that one I talked about where earlier, where I I convinced the client to hire Carson Butler events, we were like, oh, this could be something that gets published. So we did work on it really hard and figure out the details and the timeline. And we did get it published in a local blog. And it was something that we could share. Obviously, you know, today I would share it on Instagram and really curate still the images. But 
that show that you're published and give you that notoriety. So I think it's about starting small in the beginning. Yeah. So even even local blogs. Uh, and the thing is too about you know I think just getting published or being able to say that you got published is a form of social proof, right? I mean, it doesn't, to a certain extent, people, I mean, yeah, there's certain publications that people are going to definitely say like, oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. But even if it's, even if it's smaller blogs, I think people are still going to be inherently like impressed with that or, you know, future clients, prospects. But in addition to that, and this is kind of the, the SEO nerd in me, you know, I, I feel like almost there's a place for probably almost every wedding, you know? Yeah, definitely. And almost all your work. And especially if it's an online publication, you know, at the very least, that means a link back to your website, maybe some additional traffic, even if it's a, it's a small local blog. But the, the great thing about that, even if it's a small local blog, it's probably sending back very qualified traffic because it's people that actually live in your area. Like, yeah, getting published in Style Me Pretty is a little bit more held in a higher, you know, regard probably than the, the local blog. But somebody who's on the other side of the country than you that really loves your work that they found on Style Me Pretty may or may not, you know, have the budget to fly you across the country, right. you know, to shoot yeah. their own wedding, right? So, you know, I, I think especially when people are getting started, definitely aim for those local blogs. And, you know, I think you get more qualified traffic and at the very least a link back to your website, which, you know, does help optimize your website, does help you get greater search visibility. So that's great. Like, what do you think makes the difference in a wedding or a work that gets published versus work that doesn't get picked up for publication? Yeah, I think, well, like you said, there's a home mostly for every wedding and some kind of publication if it's shot correctly. So I think it's about studying the publication. I mentioned before, I'm all about planning. So how can you, you know, do your homework and study these publications and figure out what images they want? Because overall, it's pretty consistent. I mean, even though they're showing different weddings from all over the country or all over the world, it generally boils down to some of the same images over and over. And if you want to get published in that particular publication, then it it can become second nature to get those images that they're looking for. I mean, obviously, the first thing you want to do is please the client and make sure that they're happy with images. But on top of that, you can also add into your workflow how to get those images as well. So for example, I know that Martha Stewart Weddings, they love a lot of natural lit photos. So one huge thing is the cake. They love a cake in daylight. But usually, unless it's a brunch wedding, which aren't as popular, when couples cut the cake, it's after dark. So how can you set up that timeline to get the cake in daylight? And so work with the planner, work with the caterer and figure out how you can take that shot before the sun goes down. Because that's a very important image for publication, especially if the cake is something different or tells the story of the day, tells the story of the couple. Say, for example, they have their grandparents topper on it or that the details of the cake match the bride's dress. You want that image for publication because it's going to complete the circle, but it also needs to be in the medium that they're looking for. So get it in daylight. So, and how would you, how do you go about doing, uh, doing this research? Cause I think this is fascinating. I mean, I think that's a great observation, right? That, that you knew, you know, Martha Stewart weddings wants to, you know, have a shot of the, the cake in daylight. What are some ways, or what are some things that people can do to actually do the research on these publications? Like I'm guessing Martha Stewart, and maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe you're going to be like, well, Martha Stewart has a page and they say specifically, no, you know, no. <laughs> yeah. but no, I think it's just studying it. I mean, yeah. looking at all the past issues, 
looking online, there is a consistency that they like. Like Martha Stewart, they love a good flat lay of the invitation. They love a good cake shot. They like stylish guests. So that's something that sometimes people don't think about. But I have been lucky enough to shoot weddings for Martha Stewart when they knew that was going into the magazine. So a stylist was coming along with me to point out details that I was supposed to get. And one of them was stylish guests because of course you want to show the cake and the details and the bride and groom, but they also want to show other things that it was a real wedding. So just really studying the publications because there actually is a formula to it. I mean, not every wedding is the same. They may not show the detail of the cake in every wedding that they feature, but probably if you look at it eight times out of 10, it will be a shot in there. So just study that and then say, okay, so we need this shot, like the cake. We need the invitation shot. We need this. So when are we going to get it and how, and do I have enough time in my timeline? And if you are working with a planner or a caterer or someone else who wants to get published too, then game plan with them and figure out how you're going to make it in the timeline. And if that means you need to add extra time to your photography, then do it. Go show up 30 minutes early so you can photograph them. And then you're going to give yourself 30 minutes later to photograph those details. Would you say, so we've talked, uh, we've talked about curating images. We've talked about networking and then we talked about getting published and I'm sure all three things have worked together, you know, getting published, being a great form of, you know, validation and, so, and social proof, you know, but then also networking, getting maybe connected with other people who are at sort of the level that you would like to be and then curating images and showing that you, you know, you actually shoot and maybe it's, maybe it's that you're not currently shooting the kind of wedding that you want, but you're capable of shooting the kind of wedding that you want because you've very been very picky about the kind of image that you're sharing from that wedding. What would you say of those three things? And I know they're all important, but what, of those three things, what would you say is the most important? Like if someone had to get started today, what would be kind of the first thing that you that you tell them to do of those three things that you outlined? So I think for someone starting out, I think the biggest thing that can help them is to take that wedding that they have and elevate it. So curate it, have a good timeline and pull out the details that you want to show, because that's the thing that you can control the most. Obviously, relationships are important and those will come, but you have to start there and you have to build that imagery and you have to build that content. So I think it's about starting from the beginning and making sure that you're setting your day up to get the images that you then in turn want to show. Yeah. And I got to imagine that when you meet people too at networking events, I mean, I think we all do this is, you know, we meet somebody that's interesting and we, and we look at maybe their Instagram now, you know, it, maybe right, it used yeah, to be totally. their blog, right. <laughs> and kind of see the kind of work that they're, they're shooting. And if we've done a good job of like curating or being picky about that work, like you said, you know, all of a sudden, if we just met a planner who, who really liked us, you know, who, when we met, we made a good impression, then they go to look at our work and, it is curated and it does look good. You know, I think it makes it much more likely, right, that they're going to end up referring us and carrying on that relationship. Whereas if they go back and they look at our work and it's kind of all over the place and we're sharing absolutely everything, you know, maybe we've wasted that that good first impression. You know, maybe we're not as likely to get get a referral with that with that planner or whoever that that may be. And I do think these these first two things that you mentioned with uh, mentioned curating and networking are probably a little bit more in a person's control. You know, and mm -hmm. so most Definitely. of this is something that people can do. I think curating is something very simple that people can do. And if you're not sure exactly how to go about curating your work, I'm sure you can find a friend that maybe can help you whittle down what it is that you should be sharing. But even networking, 
networking's hard because it feels like it's out of our control, but it very much is, you know, like actually going to those events and actually seeking out those relationships, connecting with people, you know, via social media or whatever, and then following up in person. I think all of that's very much in your control. So I really like the advice that you've given today. So I have two more questions for you and they're kind of out of order. All right. First (laughs) one's about curating. Then I want to ask you about uh, getting published again, because you've been published in a lot of major publications, including Martha, Martha. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. But for curating, if someone doesn't know how to go about curating their images, and that's something as, as web designers, we get a lot, which is, you know, people will send us a folder of images for their website and it will be, you know, let's say it's a thousand images when we only need mm-hmm. 10, you know, and, yeah. the, and the struggle is I don't know which ones to pick. So could you speak to a little bit how you curate your images, like how you choose what you're going to share you know, specifically, like, even if you were just thinking about it for Instagram, let's say, like, what are the kind of images that you're going to be sharing versus what what kind of images get left out? Well, when figuring out which ones, and I like what you said, like getting a friend, because I think that sometimes we are so emotionally attached to our images, we might love this photo because we love the couple. And we are so excited that we actually got that photo. But maybe it's not really a good photo. So I think what you mentioned about having someone else look at it, if you don't know where to start when curating, that is the first step. So whether it be a friend that you know has great style or that one day they would be your ideal client, that you ask them to help you with that because I think getting an objective point of view is so important. And I still do that today. When Lisa and I were going back to the galleries of our website, we were so emotionally attached to some of the weddings and some of the images that we got someone else to look at it. And that has been so helpful to get this outsider perspective. So even today that I curate, but I still need help curating too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I know for a lot of our brand design clients, you know, that's one of the big things that we go through is just figuring out what images to, to share, you know, and, and a lot of times we're thinking digitally on your website, but I do think an outside perspective is just so important. Yeah, definitely. And then as far as you're asking like what, how I pick, I feel like it's just kind of come over time and now it's kind of a subconscious thing. But I think in the beginning, it's about figuring out, and this has been talked about so many times, but I think it's been talked about because it's important, but figuring out who your ideal client is, where do you want to go with your brand? So your brand is, you know, starting out in the beginning, but where do you want it to be? And did you happen to come across some of those details or some of that look on the day of the wedding? Then share it, make sure that that is the image that you are putting out there. And I think in the beginning too, when you don't have a lot of content, it's okay to share it, share it over and over. Maybe you got a picture of the bouquet, but you got a picture of it a few different times during the day, share all of that over and over to then reinforce your brand. I think, you know, if you, even if you just look back at like fashion bloggers or fashion influencers today who share stuff on Instagram, they might share their same outfit over and over and over in different settings, but it's impactful and it builds their brand and that's how they're sharing content. So I think it's okay that to share quality over quantity. So you want it to match your brand and where you want it to go. And it's okay to share it in a few different ways. Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I always tell people, especially when it comes to messaging, but I think probably the true, the same is true for imagery as well. You know, if you feel like you're, if you feel like you're saying something too much, you're probably, 
you're probably saying it enough, you know, like it's probably just the right amount. And I think what we do is we have a tendency to undershare and just think that every image that we put out there or everything that we've ever said, like people, people have heard that before, yeah. so we can't ever <laughs> say it again, you know? Right. Isn't there the statistic like takes seven times of exposure before someone really takes action on a brand? So they need to see it, you know, on your blog, on your Instagram, on someone else's Instagram, and then your story, and then maybe a publication. And it takes so many things. And that's how I've built my business today is just being out there a lot on other people's Instagram and on publications and really building those relationships. So maybe when they go visit a venue, we're on the venue recommended list. So it's all these things of laying that foundation so that people see you continuously and then they're like oh I've heard about her maybe maybe I should contact her for my wedding yeah and and even across all those things like your message is probably pretty similar you know from yes, from pro- podcast to podcast or what, whatever it may be you know even in I'm thinking about running Facebook ads which is something that that we do and I have a business where we we manage ads and just thinking about the frequency in which people see ads you know like I'm not aiming for somebody to see an ad just once you know I want them to see it you know five six seven times and and that's okay with me because I know that it's going to take a while sometimes it just takes a while for a message to click I think Crystal listens to Dave Ramsey every day I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey but he's a you know yeah big financial guru, you know, debt-free, all this. I mean, if you listen to his uh, radio show, I mean, it's like the same thing every single day, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that's what the most impactful part about it, you know, like if you talk to another Dave Ramsey fan, they can repeat, you know, like verbatim the phrases that he uses every day on his show, you know, and they don't get old. It just takes a while for it to, for it to click. So really glad that you mentioned that. The last thing that I want to chat about is just if you have any advice for somebody who aspires to to get featured in a magazine like Martha, you know, and I imagine that like, I guess a quick first question before I get to that question, how, okay. how long did it take in your career to get to being published in a, a magazine like Martha? Yeah. So they don't really do this anymore since sure. Martha has changed their structure, but they used to do weddings where they put them on. So they were either pre-submitted and they decided that they want to send a team of stylists to be part of that wedding. So oddly enough, the first wedding that I had featured in Martha was where I was on the team. Mm-hmm. So it was through networking. I had met the editor, Shira, Savada at Engage a long time ago and through meeting her at the conference. And I then, like you said, I think that a very current and continuous theme in networking is following up. So after I met her at Engage, I also then talked about um, coming to visit her in New York. So when my husband was up there on a business trip, I went up along with him to New York and made plans to go see Shira at the Martha Stewart offices. And so just really started forming that relationship. And I had submitted weddings to her before, but she, none of them worked out. So I think it's continuously submitting and it's okay to be told no. But then there was a wedding that they are shooting in DC and they needed a photographer for it to shoot details for the magazine. And that was my first time doing it and being published in the magazine. Yeah. I think there's just so much like just in that, one minute snippet here. There's just so many like good lessons from a, I love that. I love the, one of the answers was networking. You know, I love it went back to a relationship that you, you had built. And then the second thing that I really like about what you just said was that you had submitted stuff before and you know, they said no, but you continued to 
you know, you continue to submit and eventually something worked out, you know, and I think that, again, we have a tendency to quit after we hear no for the first time. But had you done that, then, you know, whatever that wedding that eventually was submitted in uh, or, or published would have probably never been published. So, right. Yeah. So I love, you know, I kind of everything that you just said right there. I think there's so many lessons in that. Do you have any other advice for people who kind of aspire to you know, do the same. And I know it might not be Martha and I know things have changed there. I know things just in general, I feel like have changed in the publishing world lately. And there's been all sorts of things going on, like the knot and the wedding wire merger and all, and all that. But you know, that aside, what advice do you have for somebody who's, you know, trying to get published? I think some of the things we talked about one, like you said, not being afraid of rejection and that literally don't be afraid to submit. I, you obviously want to do your homework and feel good about your submission and think that it's a good fit for that magazine. So don't waste the editor's time. But if you feel very strongly that you think that it could be a good fit for that publication, then submit it. And that's okay. If it's no, it's good that you're in that editor's inbox. They might take note that they liked your style, but that actual wedding wasn't the right fit. So by the time you submit again, or maybe by the fifth time, then you might get your first wedding in. So don't be afraid to submit because if you get told no, that's the worst thing and just do it again. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't met a photographer. I don't know of anybody who's never been rejected, you know, and, right, and not yeah. just photographer. I mean, across industries, you know, like I was reading a Stephen King autobiography recently, you know, and the amount of times that he got rejected before, you know, something got picked up and he became who he was, you know? So I, I just don't know of anybody who's never been rejected even later in our, you know, photography career after we'd been published a number of times, there's still times where we submitted weddings and, you know, it didn't get picked up. You know, I think, as you start getting picked up and as you start getting published, it's just more likely that, you know, editors and magazines and publications are going to pick you up, but it still happens. So I think that's such uh, great advice for people, you know, and I think that extends even beyond the getting published world. There's just so many things that happen early in people's businesses where they get some sort of rejection or hit some sort of roadblock. And then that's the end of the road. You know, and I think I'd be interested in seeing like what, you know, of all the businesses that fail and it's an astronomical number when you look at, you know, how many businesses survive one, five, 10 years, how many, you know, and there's no way to measure this, but how many just received some sort of no, you know, not necessarily in getting published, but just some sort of no, and then gave up there, you know, that'd be right, really interesting. Yeah. If you don't keep pushing through, then, I mean, how can you grow? So you just have to not take it personal and do it again. And then sometimes too, you know, it may not get published in your first pick, but your second pick might pick it up. And usually the second pick where the wedding gets published, they don't know that you weren't their first pick. So I think it's about setting the goals of like where you would like it to get published and maybe work with the wedding team to shoot for that publication. But most publications still also so generally like a lot of the same images. So then submit it to your second pick and see if you can get it in there. And I've gone down third and fourth and figure out where it's going to end up. But we do track all of our submissions. We have this spreadsheet so we can keep tracking it all because sometimes it gets lost because we've submitted it so many places. But then eventually I find a place for it to get picked up usually. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great advice too. I'd be interested in seeing, I'm sure others would too, like a template of that spreadsheet. 
you yeah, know, just to stay definitely. organized. So I think that would be a, that'd be a great, you know, download if you, if you ever, uh, if you ever decide to include one on your website or whatever. But anyways, I want to thank you for your time and just spending your Friday morning here uh, chatting with me. Like I said, at the beginning of this interview, your work is work that we've admired for a long time. I remember when we first got started, we, you know, looking at following you on Instagram and, you shot uh, at least one of our, we have a mutual friend, Caitlin Cruz, who's, mm-hmm. yes. whose wedding you shot, you know, and I remember going over those images with Krista. So we've admired your work. What I'm trying to say is we've admired your work for a long time. And so I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to sit down and chat with you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me. Last thing, where can people follow along? Yeah. So very active on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my time some days. And that's at A-B-B-Y-J-I-U. And that's probably the main place to find us. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantCrista.com. 